Welcome to Love and Live Abundantly. I'm Alana. I'm Bill. Do you want to love more effectively? Do you want to live fully and love more courageously? We talk about what all that means. And how you can achieve it. Join Join us. Hi, Bill. Hi, Alana. How you doing? I am doing fabulous. Fabulous. Glad to hear. So what prior is to our, prior to our coming on this time? We Alana and I were were chatting about about how people change and and uh, when they know that that change has occurred and and what that change means to some people. And I made an observation that. Uh, through my years of practice, people would say to me when I'd say, well, what do you want from this therapy? They would say, I just want to be normal. And I, and when we said that, it seemed like that was a good topic for this session. Excuse me. You know what, Bill? I've never thought of myself as normal, so I never wanted to be normal. That was never a thing for me. I just always knew that I was outside of the box and that I wouldn't conform to normal. <laughs> yeah. I'm curious I'm curious what what was normal for you when 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 you say that I didn't you know I was outside the box I wasn't going to conform to normal. You weren't going to conform to what? Um, to not exploring, um, to kind of just sitting back and going with the flow. I was always um, curious. They have um, they have a doll, ex- oh, Dora the Explorer. Like, of course, it didn't come out until I was like probably in my 30s. However, I was like, oh, that's me. Like, I always was you know, looking for something new and exploring new things. And I always wanted to know what different was, you know, that I I didn't want to just do what everybody else did. Hmm. If that that makes sense. Yeah. That was normal. You know, everybody doing what, what they were doing. Okay, so you're using normal in the, in the, like the mathematical sense that, excuse me, that there that the norm is what the bulk, the majority of folk do, and that's the norm. Yeah. Um, but when when folks would come to me and say, "I'm I'm not doing well," or "This is my life," and or "I'm a hot mess," or however they describe themselves they had some notion about what normal would be. And in their case, it was not being this hot mess. So it was, it, it was interesting that, that being normal somehow was different from what you're talking about. It is it, the way you described yourself. Is that not normal? I don't know what is normal. I because I wouldn't see wanting to be an outside of the box person as normal. No, I don't. I don't 
feel like that is the truth <laughs> for most people. Maybe deep down somewhere they feel that. However, I just, I, I don't know that a lot of people are or even aware. Hmm. I, I think when people said to me that they wanted to be normal, I think that they were trying to tell me that they wanted to be pain-free. That they wanted to be free of this level of dysfunction that dragged them in to talk to a stranger about the intimate details of their life. And that is more normal, right? Like actually having things in your life happen and um, experiencing different things. You know, it's like with Ireland, um, you know, I, I can go back to that and yes, it was one of the most painful experiences of my life. However, I wouldn't trade it in for anything. Now I have even more of a passion and purpose than I did before. And, you know, and, and I know I have a tendency to always look at the positive of things. I, I rewired my brain that way, you know. Um, I feel like that's a normal part of life. It's just people don't talk about it. You know, it's, it's, oh, you have to go to this therapist or go to this coach and, you know, discuss your problems with them or not even at all. Just push it down. Just push it down. You'll be okay. Because nobody talks about their problems. So that's what everybody thinks are normal. So they come to you and they're like, I want to be normal. But really normal is that people have problems. I don't think that the folks who told me that they wanted to be normal weren't aware of that. I think what they were aware of was that their life was in large measure dysfunctional and that they weren't able to do what they needed to do or they couldn't be healthy, selfish, or they they couldn't be all they could be for their kids or for their spouse or for themselves and that they're in pain. And when when I'd asked them what they wanted to be, most of them didn't say, I want to be pain-free, but most of them used that phrase. I want to be, I just want to be normal. I don't want to have to run around like a chicken with my head cut off or, or feel angry or anxious or sad or, or out of control all the time. I just want to be normal. And I, and they probably were sorry they said that to me at one point because almost immediately I would ask them to tell me what that meant. If you were going to go from this place where you are to normal, wherever that is, then I presume you think you're abnormal right now. But what does normal look like? How will you know when you get there? Is there Are, are there some kind of measures? Is there a yardstick? Can you get a, a, a panel together who, to assess your, your behavior, your thoughts or whatever? How will you know? And I, I know people who think that going to see a therapist or a counselor or a coach is a life sentence, that they have to do that for the rest of their life. But that's all wrong. The reason you go to somebody like me is so that you can get from this place to this better place that you want to be all along. And I don't, I don't know. I, I think that what happens 
if you must know, is I think that it's it's possible to get stuck. That you can be in a in a world of pain in some big pot of of trouble, and 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 be stuck there and just not know how to get out and spend all your time trying to run away from it. And I think ultimately, people would come to me after years of trying to run away from their pain, or run away from, or deny, or. And the first thing I would ask them is, if you're going to run someplace, where are you going to run to? Because nature abhors a vacuum, doesn't it? Sure does. I'm going to stop doing that that thing that hurts me so much over the years. I'm going to stop thinking that pattern of thoughts that make me crazy. I'm going to stop. But that never really works. Because nature abhors a vacuum. And you can't say I'm going to stop something unless you say I'm going to do this instead. Yes, you have to make a different choice. I, yeah. I, I say that all the time. It's the awareness to, to make a different choice. And, you know, we weren't taught how to express our emotions. And there is such a thing as healthy anger. And we're not, we're not taught that. Right, we're we're just taught not to express and not to, um, and then we have people that go into rage or get upset, and um, it's because we were never taught that, right? Were were you taught how to express your emotions? Oh yeah, only only the, you know, sometimes some teachers are better than others, and some of the lessons I was taught were pretty good. But some of the, the lessons I was taught, particularly like about anger, were akin to uh, being taught that the world is flat. It just wasn't a useful lesson I learned. Uh, I know that that many of my friends learned that they weren't that anger was a bad thing and that they should um, they should quell their anger unless they want to do um, kung fu fighting or something with it. That the that there wasn't such a thing as healthy, productive anger. Yeah. But that was one of the toughest lessons I had to unlearn. Yeah. Yeah. The thing I that it, it occurs to me that one of the things that you do do so well uh in your coaching groups and the coaching that you do is that you stress that you stress okay but what now what are you going to do how does that look what does that new person look like you know if, I, was you, just, I was just with one of my clients this morning and i'm like move 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 like just move do something different get out of your head because once you you start down that spiral um it's hard to to get out of it, you know, and it's like, don't even think about it. Just move, just move, 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 you know, like what's your next move? What are you going to do today? That's risky. Um, and move past that uncomfortableness because if there, that for me, my experience has been is that when I am, when I feel that fear for me moving forward, I appreciate it so much more 
than what I felt with the fear. Uh, does that make sense? Yes, ma'am. Sure does. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the things that I, my uncle Leo told me to do one time years and years and years ago when I was in high school, as he said, I, he, he said, I want you to think of yourself as a star running back. Uh, I was trying to play football in high school. He said, I want you to think of yourself as a, as a star running back. And how does that star running back move? How does he look? How does he carry himself onto the field and off the field? What goes through his head on a routine basis? Is he thinking about the after game party? Or is he thinking about his next move? How does that person operate? And he said, unless you can see that guy in your brain, unless you'll never become that guy. And later, years later, uh, I took that to mean in many areas of my life. I mean, I understood that when I went to graduate school to become a psychologist, that they were training me to walk like one and to talk like one and to think like one. Uh, and they gave me images of what I should look like when I graduated. Bless you. Yeah. And I, th I think if you're in the process of change and living your life on a day-to-day -day basis, you have to do that. You know, what does healthy Bill look like a year from now? What does this guy who's more competent or stronger or smarter or more loving or more lovable, what does somebody like that look like? And can I move toward that instead of away from this terrible place where I have been? And, and feeling it too, you know, thinking it and feeling it like what would you how would you feel how would you know how would it feel to be in that position how would it feel to be with that lover or you know how would it feel to you know pass that test or be in front of that finish that big project and seeing your end results and one of the the biggest things that I learned was that you can have many different ways to get there. It doesn't just have to be the way that I think. Um, as a matter of fact, it's probably not, right? And so being open to, to different ways that that's gonna come to fruition for you. So as you're thinking of it, <clears throat> setting your mind on the end result and not worrying about necessarily all of the things that you have to do to get there. Right, because there will be things that come into into your journey that you never even thought of, as long as you're open, right? Or there's just different ways to go about it and learn. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that uh, I teach uh, other professionals how to do supervision of of new therapists and new counselors and so forth. And uh, there's a thing I learned years ago, and I I love the word because it's elegant and it's the rule of equifinality. Isn't that classy? <laughs> and, and it means it, it, in, in folksy terms, it's all roads lead to Rome or there's more than one way to skin a cat. It's the rule of equifinality. 
And one of the difficulties I had in teaching supervisors was that there's there there's a lot of different ways that your students are going to go about doing what you do, but they're still doing it. And you're not going to be a good supervisor if you don't understand the rule of equifinality, that that's how you get there. And I, and I, what you said struck me because it, it seems to me <clears throat> that if I want to change to become something that I can see in the future, that I better be open to that, what you just said. And that is the possibility that there's way more than one way for me to get there. And that when one road closes, almost certainly another one will open up. Yes. Yes. I mean, I have had many instances where <clears throat> I've had to walk away from something um, or, you know, even end a friendship, honest, you know, to be honest, and then walk away from money that I was rightfully owed. And sometimes it's just better to walk away. It's better walk away to walk something that's toxic walk away from something that's toxic and doesn't get you to the place you need to be yes yeah and so like you were saying with the door closed you know it's there's always always other openings especially when we take a stand for ourselves and and doing something different and following our hearts and our goal and you know our passion and purpose doors will open Doors will open for you if you, if you make the move. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I get that what ends up happening is the, the reason oftentimes people come for coaching or they come to somebody like me is that they've been pretty good at doing that. In fact, they've been living their lives up to this point in time, but they're stuck and they don't see that other opening. And that, that, as a good coach or as a good therapist, one of the things I have to be able to say is, uh, well, here's six or eight other different kinds of things you might look at and and see if one of them appeals to them, if they can go at that and pick at it. Uh, it it's, it's one of the things that people tell me they get out of sitting in a therapy group or a self-help group or uh, in, a, in a coaching group that other people talk in six or seven or eight or 10 different ways. They've approached what I've approached. Even if they hadn't worked for them, one of those might work for me and might be one I hadn't thought of, you know, but it's getting, it's getting open to that. That's so hard. You know, I, I think it would be difficult for me. I know it's difficult for me to be able to say, well, I don't know. Uh, or I'm stuck, or I, or I, I need help. Um, you know, I'm. I'll own that I have the, um, a, a tendency to want to be self-contained and self-sufficient. Uh, it takes a lot to break that down and say, "I don't help." Well, and and I feel like if it it goes back to connection. You know, as human beings, we need to connect with people mm -hmm. and and feel that connection. You know, when I when I um, it, it's been a few years since I att attended a NAMI support group. When I uh, got back from Ireland, it was you know it was 
I went to meet with the director of NAMI. She's like, hey, Lonnie, you might want to think about going to one of the family support groups. And I was like, oh, yeah, I almost forgot about those. I used to run <laughs> them, but, you know, um, and I went back and I was like, oh, there's other people that are going through this as well. I'm not the only one. And, and the space that they were able to hold for me where there was no judgment. Um, and, and I'm, I'm sorry, I'm just. I'm and, not, and, and a place where they were courageous and being genuine yeah. and, and where they just let it lay out, made it easier for you, didn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yes. yeah. That's the nice thing about a group like that. Yeah. And, and, you know, I mean, that's, you know, that group is based on heartache, right? Or you have AA or all those different groups, but, but even just connection, human connection to connect to people, you know, during COVID it was like, Oh, I would go to Starbucks and, you know, I, <laughs> I'd be like, Oh, I got to talk to the woman at the drive through, you know, like, I mean, because I was just starving for, for connection with people. And, and I don't know that that has been a big part of our society. I, I no. think with COVID, we've actually, you know, they, we've been separated even more, right? Because people are, are afraid to connect. And I mean, w whereas I would go and hug somebody now, like people don't even want to hug me because it's too close. And that's, that's sad. That sucks. Yeah. There was there, I, I'm reminded that one of the chief uh, symptoms of depression is social withdrawal. And one of the things that I learned years ago about depression was that the depression generates the symptoms. The symptoms generate the depression. And it's that kind of a loop. So if you start having symptoms because of something like COVID, it shouldn't surprise us that the rate of depression among the general population has gone through the roof because we we were forced to experience one of the major symptoms of depression, our process. Yep, absolutely. The lesson from that, um, the people like, like Thorndike and, and Gottman and other people was that if you can do the kind of symptoms that cause the illness, then maybe if you do the symptoms that cause the wellness, you can make that work for you. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Of course, if, if you're so far in that hole, it might be difficult to be able to say what one of those symptoms looks like. Well, and we're not taught that either, right? I, I would say that those are coping mechanisms and yeah. we're, not, we're not taught those. So typically no. And and so and most of us are are left to have to pick them up by trial and error, by painful experiment. Well, or or following our parents, right? Because that's all that we know. Right. Yeah, that's the role model, isn't it? Mm -hmm. And we it's, and it's a, a friend of mine, uh an old dutchy guy from pennsylvania um it makes the point that one of the problems that we have in, in this day and age is small families mm 
he grew up, I grew up in these enormous families. So if you couldn't find a good role model, you just weren't looking because there were just so many people that you were related to. I mean, half of my hometown was related to me. Uh, but but I can't imagine what it would be like to be the only kid in a family and living isolated in, in a way too busy world. Uh, unless you go out and actively seek out those role models for yourself, how are you going to find them? TV, internet, books? I don't know. Yeah, it's um, well, and but sometimes your own family isn't the right, the right. Uh, I mean, that there you had multiple selections, but you could have chosen from different dysfunctions too. I couldn't. I could, in fact, have done that. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, I think the family dynamics is different now. My mom grew up, you know, and there were they had, she had five sisters. And, you know, they didn't, they didn't need friends because they had, they had each other. And, you know, I, I said to her just a couple of weeks ago, I'm like, what a disservice you really did to, you know, to us. <laughs> because none of, none of their kids are close with their own sisters, mm. you know? And, and so it's like, we, I, I grew up like, oh, this is sistership. You know, like, I want to be like them. But in reality, there's a little dysfunction there from the codependency and, you know, no boundaries and 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 not reaching out to other community. Like, yes, family is good, but it's also good to have people outside of your family um, to, to love and support you. Mm, yeah. I, I A little housekeeping. I think that we've done about a half hour now. I do believe you are right. This so, time really goes fast. It does. Then so we're going to wrap it up here and we will see you all or hear you all next week. Thanks it's for good to see you again. Same here. Bye. Thanks for joining us. Join us on Mondays at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. Enjoyed this podcast? Follow us on social media, Truth Be Told, One World.